WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Tens of thousands of people in central Virginia are still without power. As temperatures drop below freezing for a second night. As the blockage on a stretch of I-95 is finally cleared, Shenandoah Valley delegate and soon-to-be Speaker of the House, Todd Gilbert, criticizes Governor Northam for not calling in the National Guard to deal with that problem. And due to the recent surge in COVID-19 cases, Augusta Health is now prohibiting routine patient visitation. This is the WMRE Daily for Wednesday, January 5th. As of early Wednesday morning, more than 80,000 households are still without power in central Virginia. Randy B. Hagee reports. As of 12.30 p.m., 122,369 Dominion Energy customers were still without electricity in Virginia, including almost all customers in Louisa County and large portions of Charlottesville and the counties of Albemarle, Culpeper, Fluvanna, and Orange. Spokesperson Jeremy Slayton said the snow and wind caused broken poles, downed power lines, and tree branches falling onto power lines. On Monday, travel conditions were just so treacherous. And, and the working conditions were difficult. Uh, it, it slowed the restoration process. But, you know, today uh, the sun's out. It's going to be a little bit warmer. Winds are going to be a little bit calmer. We're bringing in some crews from, from other states to help with our restoration efforts. He said they don't have a set time estimate for repairing the hardest hit regions, but customers should prepare for being without power for multiple days. This is actually one of our five worst winter storms in our history. In our Dominion Energy Virginia service territory, it's one of the top five. At some point during the storm, we had nearly 390,000 customers losing power. And according to Appalachian Power's outage map, as of 12.30 p.m., 17,234 customers were without power in Virginia, with a large concentration in Albemarle County and other significant outages in Lynchburg and the counties of Amherst, Nelson, Bedford, and Franklin. For WMRA News, I'm Randy B. Hagee. Transportation and safety officials in Virginia were still working to clear abandoned vehicles on Interstate 95 near Fredericksburg. The highway fully reopened Tuesday night after more than a day of blockage. BPM's Megan Pauley reports. The pileup of vehicles close to Fredericksburg started after a series of crashes on I-95 Monday morning during a snowstorm. But state officials didn't fully close the highway until 24 hours later. Kevin Gregg, chief of operations and maintenance for the Virginia Department of Transportation, says that's because some cars were still moving, though very slowly, until about midnight Monday. Uh, We just couldn't get the plows in there after midnight to... um to get some of that traffic cleared out. Many motorists ended up spending a cold night in their cars. State officials say they plan to conduct a comprehensive review of the incident. Megan Pauley reporting. Governor Ralph Northam defended his decision not to activate the Virginia National Guard or declare a state of emergency. He said the issue facing state crews was not a lack of manpower, but the difficulty of getting workers and equipment through the snow and ice to where they needed to be. And he said a state of emergency, which would typically be declared hours or days before an event to create extra flexibility in responding, would have done no good. Tuesday morning, the incoming Republican Speaker of the House, Todd Gilbert, called on Northam to activate the Virginia National Guard to respond to the situation on I-95. Virginia Senator Tim Kaine was among those stranded all night, driving by himself on the way from Richmond to Washington, D.C., Late Tuesday afternoon, he tweeted that after 27 hours on the road, he had finally made it to his destination. Due to the recent surge in COVID-19 cases, Augusta Health is now prohibiting routine patient visitation. With limited exceptions, Augusta Health says the restrictions are necessary to protect their patients, team members, and the community as new cases of the disease 
surged to record levels. Exceptions are being made for patients at end of life, patients giving birth, and pediatric patients in some other situations. Many people who need a COVID-19 test in Virginia have encountered long waits, but state officials say it's not a supply problem. Virginia Public Radio's David Seidel explains. As Omicron variant cases have surged in Virginia, so has the demand for testing. Dr. Lori Forlano says the state and the Department of Health have adequate supplies and capacity for sensitive PCR testing. Forlano is deputy director of the Health Department's Office of Epidemiology. This surge is being fueled by a variant that is just very, very transmissible and is resulting in very high case numbers, very high numbers of exposures, and it is hard to keep pace with that. Forlano says while the health department has organized large community testing events, the majority of COVID-19 testing is conducted by private health care providers and pharmacies, and they're all struggling to keep employees healthy and on the job. They are being impacted by COVID-19 illness or exposure. That means that there are sometimes uh, health care workers that need to be out of work, which is impacting capacity for healthcare settings to staff testing clinics. Forlano says it's still important for anyone experiencing COVID-19 symptoms and those who have had a close contact with a known case to be tested. But those who want to test before a gathering or travel should consider postponing the event if possible. Forlano says a combination of demand and supply problems are creating a shortage of at-home rapid antigen test kits, and that may last for some time. I'm David Seidel. After a slow start, Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin has named several key positions in his cabinet. The Republican is getting help in those decisions from a major consulting firm. BPM's Ben Pavier reports. Youngkin's new chief of staff will be Jeff Getman, who headed the Export-Import Bank under former President Donald Trump. Like the incoming governor, Getman spent his career in the world of private equity. VPM has learned Youngkin's transition team is getting free advice from a team of consultants at McKinsey. His spokesperson wouldn't give details on the arrangement. James Madison University political science professor Robert Roberts says Youngkin appears to be staying close to his roots in the business world. I, I think this is what he's comfortable with. Uh, he wants to bring business practices to the state. Eric Moeller, a partner at McKinsey, will serve in a permanent role Youngkin is calling Chief Transformation Officer. Youngkin's appointments have been slower and more secretive than past governors. He says he's being thorough as his team combs through roughly 5,000 applications. Ben Pavier reporting. The next election for the General Assembly will feature new maps, and that will mean many incumbents will have to face each other. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Imagine the scenario for longtime Republican Senator Emmett Hanger. If he decides to run in the newly created Senate District 2, he might have to run in a primary against longtime Republican Senator Mark Obenshane, and then in a general election against longtime Democratic Senator Cree Deeds. That might happen under new political maps drawn by the Supreme Court of Virginia. Imagine that, facing an incumbent member to win the party primary and then facing another incumbent. That's Mark Roselle, dean of the Shar School at George Mason University. He says the maps the Supreme Court justices came up with are much better than the old gerrymandered districts. And what they've created are remarkably compact, contiguous districts, which is the constitutional standard, without regard to incumbency status and who's likely to keep their seat or who's likely to lose it. More than 50 members of the General Assembly are now in districts that include another incumbent, 
A dozen members are in districts that now have three incumbents. Stephen Farnsworth at the University of Mary Washington says this is unprecedented, at least in modern times. Incumbent versus incumbent races are very challenging because both of the candidates, or in some cases all three of the candidates, have already demonstrated they can win elections. Now, unlike members of Congress, members of the General Assembly are required to live in the districts they represent. That means almost half of the existing members will soon face a difficult choice, run against an incumbent, move to a new district, or find some way to gracefully bow out. Uh, Michael Pope. Meanwhile, State Senator Amanda Chase has abandoned her bid for the 7th District after the new voting maps were approved last month. Chase had planned to run against the district's current representative, Democrat Abigail Spanberger. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Chase will continue serving in the State Senate. And finally today, for those of you who listen to WMRA at 103.5 FM on our Charlottesville area signal, you haven't been able to do that since Monday's storm. Uh, the storm took out a critical system, and unfortunately, the transmitter site is inaccessible by truck because of downed trees. So our intrepid engineering crew, Kirk Wesley and Martin Mayani, are hiking two miles up the mountain early Wednesday morning through the snow to repair the damage and get the signal back on the air as soon as possible. We hope to have it uh, back on by the end of the day Wednesday. Wish them luck. Kirk and Martin are reminding us that, as one commenter on social media noted, heroes don't always wear capes. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levick. Thanks for listening. Stay safely connected and enjoy your Wednesday.